Hey, this is Sophia from CNET here with the latest tech news. COVID-19, the potentially fatal respiratory illness first detected in December 2019, has spread across the globe, forcing the cancellation of major events, postponing sports seasons, and sending many into self-imposed quarantine. As health authorities and governments attempt to slow the spread, researchers are focusing their attention on the coronavirus that causes the disease, SARS-CoV-2. Since it was first discovered as the causative agent of the new disease, scientists have been racing to get a better understanding of the virus's genetic makeup, how it infects cells, and how to effectively treat it. Currently, there's no cure, and medical specialists can only treat the symptoms of the disease. However, the long-term strategy to combat COVID-19, which has spread to every continent on Earth besides Antarctica, will be to develop a vaccine. Developing new vaccines takes time and they must be rigorously tested and confirmed safe via clinical trials before they can routinely be used on humans. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in the United States, has commonly stated that a vaccine is at least a year to 18 months away. I predicted that we would be about two to three months to go into phase one trials, and I think we're gonna beat that. I think we'll be in in probably about six weeks which, as a matter of fact, will be the fastest that anyone ever has gone from the identification of a sequence into a phase one trial of any vaccine that's ever been done. That's the good news. The sobering news is that since vaccines are given to normal individuals, what is paramount is safety and whether or not it works. So we'll do a phase one trial. We'll do it in a number of our centers, including our center at the NIH. That will take about three to four months. And then if successful, which I believe it will be, there's no reason to believe it won't be safe, it would take then about a year to year and a half to be fully confident that we would have a vaccine that would be able to protect the American people. Vaccines are incredibly important in the fight against disease. We've been able to keep a handful of viral diseases at bay for decades because of vaccine development. Even so, there exists confusion and unease about their usefulness. This episode explains what vaccines are, why they're so important, and how scientists will use them in the fight against the coronavirus. First, what is a vaccine? A vaccine is a type of treatment aimed at stimulating the body's immune system to fight against infectious pathogens, like bacteria and viruses. The human body is particularly resilient to disease, having evolved a natural defense system against nasty disease-causing microorganisms, like bacteria and viruses. The defense system, our immune system, is composed of different types of white blood cells that can detect and destroy foreign invaders. Some gobble up bacteria, others produce antibodies which can tell the body what to destroy and take out the germs. And other cells memorize what the invaders look like so the body can quickly respond if they invade again. Vaccines are a really clever fake out They make the body think it's infected, so it stimulates this immune response. For instance, the measles vaccine tricks the body into thinking it has measles. When you are vaccinated for measles, your body generates a record of the measles virus. If you come into contact with it in the future, the body's immune system is primed and ready to beat it back before you can get sick. The very first vaccine was developed by a scientist named Edward Jenner in the late 18th century. In the famous experiment, Jenner scraped pus from a milkmaid with cowpox, a type of virus that causes disease mostly in cows and is very similar to the smallpox virus. 
and introduced the pus into a young boy. The young boy became a little ill and had a mild case of cowpox. Later, Jenner inoculated the boy with smallpox, but he didn't get sick. Jenner's first injection of cowpox pus trained the boy's body to recognize the cowpox virus. And because it's so similar to smallpox, the young man was able to fight it off and not get sick. Vaccines have come an incredibly long way since 1796, though. Scientists certainly don't inject pus from patients into other patients, and vaccines must abide by strict safety regulations, multiple rounds of clinical testing, and strong governmental guidelines before they can be adopted for widespread use. Vaccines contain a handful of different ingredients depending on their type and how they aim to generate an immune response. However, there is some commonality between them all. The most important ingredient is the antigen. This is the part of the vaccine the body can recognize as foreign. Depending on the type of vaccine, the antigen could be molecules from viruses like a strand of DNA or a protein. It could instead be weakened versions of live viruses. For instance, the measles vaccine contains a weakened version of the measles virus. When a patient receives the measles vaccine, their immune system recognizes a protein present on the measles virus and learns to fight it off. The second important ingredient is the adjuvant. The adjuvant works to amplify the immune system's response to an antigen. Whether vaccine contains an adjuvant depends on the type of vaccine it is. Some vaccines used to be stored in vials that could be used multiple times and contain preservatives that ensured that they would be able to sit on a shelf without growing other nasty bacteria inside them. One such preservative is thermeserol, which has garnered a lot of attention in recent times because it contains trace amounts of the easily cleared ethyl mercury. Its inclusion in vaccines has not been shown to cause harm. In developing a vaccine for SARS-CoV-2, scientists need to find a viable antigen that will stimulate the body's immune system into defending against infection. The pathogen at the center of the outbreak, SARS-CoV-2, belongs to family of viruses known as coronaviruses. This family is so named because under a microscope, they appear with crown-like projections on their surface. In developing a vaccine that targets SARS-CoV-2, scientists are looking at these projections intensely. The projections enable the virus to enter human cells where it can replicate and make copies of itself. Known as spike proteins, or S proteins, researchers have been able to map the projections in 3D and research suggests that they could be a viable antigen in any coronavirus vaccine. That's because the S protein is prevalent in coronaviruses we've battled in the past, including the one that caused the SARS outbreak in China in 2002. This has given researchers a head start on building vaccines against part of the S protein, and using animal models, have demonstrated they can generate an immune response. There are many other companies around the world working on a SARS-CoV-2 vaccine, developing different ways to stimulate the immune system. Some of the most talked about approaches are those using a relatively novel type of vaccine known as the nucleic acid vaccine. These vaccines are essentially programmable, containing a small piece of genetic code to act as the antigen. Biotech companies like Moderna have been able to generate new vaccine designs against SARS-CoV-2. 
by taking a piece of the genetic code for the S protein and fusing it with fatty nanoparticles that can be injected into the body. Imperial College London is designing a similar vaccine using its genetic code. Pennsylvania biotech company Inovio is generating strands of DNA it hopes will stimulate an immune response. Although these kinds of vaccines can be created quickly, none have been brought to market yet. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in the United States, believes that a vaccine is at least a year and a half away, even though we're likely to see human trials start within the next month or two. And so although the good news is we did it fast, the bad news is that the reality of vaccinology means this is not going to be something we're going to have tomorrow. This, according to a 60 Minutes interview with Fauci, is a fast turnaround. Why does vaccine production take so long? Scientists can't assume their vaccine design will just work. They have to test, test, and test again. They have to recruit thousands of people to ensure the safety of a vaccine and how useful it will be. But the process can be broken down into six phases. First, vaccine design, where scientists study a pathogen and decide how they will get the immune system to recognize it. Next is animal studies. A new vaccine will be tested in animal models for disease to show that it works and has no extreme adverse side effects. The next is clinical trials, or clinical trials phase one. These represent the first test in human beings and test the safety, dose, and side effects of vaccine. And these trials only enroll a small cohort of patients. Clinical trials phase two. This phase represents a deeper analysis of how the drug or the vaccine actually works biologically. It involves a larger cohort of patients and assesses the physiological responses and interactions with the treatment. Phase three. Phase three of the clinical trials sees an even greater amount of people tested over a long period of time. Finally, regulatory approval. The final hurdle sees regulatory agencies like the US Food and Drug Administration Europe's European Medicines Agency or Australia's Therapeutic Goods Administration take a look at the available evidence from experiments and trials and conclude whether a vaccine should be given the all-clear as a treatment option. Traditionally, it could take a decade or more for a new vaccine to go from design to approval. In addition, once the regulatory processes have concluded a vaccine is safe, the drug companies have to send production into overdrive so they can manufacture enough of the vaccine to increase immunity in the wider population. With SARS-CoV-2, the process is being expedited in some instances. But for now, how do you treat COVID-19? The best way to prevent illness is avoiding exposure. Antibiotics, medicine designed to fight bacteria, won't work on SARS-CoV-2. If you're infected, you will be asked to self-isolate, to prevent further spread of the disease for 14 days. If symptoms escalate and you experience a shortness of breath, high fever, and lethargy, you should seek medical care. Treating cases of COVID-19 in the hospital is based on managing patient symptoms in the most appropriate way. For patients with severe disease adversely affecting the lungs, doctors place a tube in the patient's airway so that they can be connected to ventilators or machines that help control breathing. There are no specific treatments for COVID-19 yet, though a number are in the works, including experimental antivirals, which can attack the virus, and existing drugs targeted at other viruses like HIV 
which have shown some promise in treating COVID-19. It's not a good idea to rely on a vaccine to stop the spread of the coronavirus because they're many months away. The best way to stop the spread right now is to continue practicing good personal hygiene and to limit interactions with others. This outbreak is unprecedented and changing behaviors is absolutely critical to stopping the spread. There are a huge number of resources available from the World Health Organization on protecting yourself against infection. It's clear that the virus can spread from person to person and transmission in communities has occurred around the world. Protection boils down to a few key things. Washing your hands, maintaining social distancing, avoiding touching your face, eyes, or mouth, respiratory hygiene measures like coughing or sneezing into your elbow, and if you visited a location where COVID-19 is spreading, then self-isolating for 14 days. For more of the latest tech news, visit CNET.com.